Welcome to the Millerville Community Church podcast of our Sunday morning sermon series, where the Word of God is always the focus of our hearts and prayers. The following podcast is available on SoundCloud Millerville Church, and subscribe to us on iTunes under Podcasts. Look for Religion and Spirituality and Millerville Community Church. And now, here is a message from Sunday morning at MCC. It's good to be in the house of God and to worship together. We had a great worship service. So thankful for the talented musicians that lead us and the godly worship of the Lord. It's good to be wishing each other a Merry Christmas. Have you been told that yet? Hopefully you have. And the passing of cards and presents that happen in church. On behalf of my wife and I, we want to thank you for all the cards we've been receiving and the gifts, and we certainly appreciate it. We thank you for uh, those of you who came to our three open houses and came to visit our little condo. You filled it up and warmed it up really nice, and we really appreciate that. And uh, now you know where we live, so there we are. It is good to be with God's people and to be worshiping and to hear the old, old stories and to hear them fresh again. Uh, I dread uh, every year the big seasons of Christmas and Mother's Day and so on. You know why I dread them as a minister? It's because people have been preaching on these themes for 2,000 years. How are you going to find anything original to say that hasn't been said that you haven't heard a hundred times over again, right? And yet it's the old, old story And here we go again. And yet, the message the Lord gave me this week, I feel like I am not the guy to preach it. I don't know that I am adequate to preach what he wanted me to share with you today. So pray for me that I go beyond myself and that the Lord uh, speaks as we always pray he will. I've been thinking a lot about light and darkness lately. And we're living in what many have called the information age. You ever hear of that? So I didn't bring my, hand me my smartphone. I, I have a smartphone and I have a smart car and all it needs is a smart operator, <laughs> which it often lacks, and all these devices we have. You've heard of the, the modern age Don't you love those old motels you go by and it says, modern motel, we have color TV. And it's like they haven't changed their sign in a long time. It's been a long time since the modern age showed up. And and if you see that, you think, well, that's really old. They haven't updated a long time. We've come through what we call the nuclear age, where uh, the fear and hiding under your desk of the nuclear bombs and the Cold War that took place. And uh, we're into what we call more of a high-tech age where information controls our lives. And now we think the most powerful thing is not uh, just the modern age or nuclear power, but now information is the most powerful thing and the information people collect on you, store on you, and know about you. Many rejoice in this new era. I remember with my kids that uh, they couldn't wait for Christmas to roll around because we always had a carrier plan where they would offer us the family deal. You ever get into that one? 
where you could get uh, five free phones uh, for so much a month and so on. And, and then we would package them up and uh, I'd give those free phones to my kids as a gift. You know, I'm really cheap that way. And uh, they would open up and get their smartphones and be really excited about it. And, and that would be the gift that they really wanted. And every year now, every two years, if you're in a contract plan, you could uh, upgrade to a brand new phone. Couldn't wait for that second year to roll around. I get a new phone, get the latest model. And now we're at a place where I can't get those free phones anymore. But people just can't wait for the latest model phone to come out, right? And this thing just, uh, I used to, uh, when I started my career, I started, excuse me, I'm going to show my age now, with an Apple IIe as my computer, yes, it got me through uh, my master's program, can you believe that's what I'm using in my master's program, was an Apple IIe that my mother bought for me, it was the latest thing that was out. And what I'm carrying around today puts that thing to embarrassment. This is way stronger and more powerful and able to do far more than my old Apple IIe or I hate to mention Commodores and things like that. But I'd go back further than that. I was going through college with an electric typewriter if I did that. and For that I had Sandra beat out on and get my papers done. We look forward to that smartphone because it's a device that tells us so much. And do you Google? So if you have a question, how do you wrap a Christmas present? Google. I need to see how it's done. YouTube, show me how to wrap properly. My, I have a son-in-law who uh, we asked a question. He's a great uh, left brain kind of person. He's analytical, and he has researched it within five minutes by the time I asked the question. It was a rhetorical question, but he comes back with tons of information that I would ever want to know, and he uses his smartphone to pull it all out. It is incredibly smart. We live in a day, though, when I would argue that people are turning to this as their light. And I literally do at night. When I can't see, I turn it on. Do you do that? It's a flashlight. That's what it is. I'm smart enough to figure that out. This thing's a flashlight. And I guess you can use the other side. It's a really bright light, but I like the soft glow of that light. And some people go to concerts and they turn this light on and they go back and forth. Wave it like it was some spiritual thing. It is the new light of the world. Everything you would ever want to know. Anybody you ever wanted to talk to or not talk to. Any opinion you want reinforced. This will say, you're right, you're right, absolutely right. This thing will do it. But in this information age, I would like to say to you, we probably have never been in a darker age. And that is... People reject the Word of God as the light. It turns to the information age, and while they're rejecting the Word of God and saying it's contradictory, it's full of inconsistencies and no proof. Wait, I'll turn to the internet for reliability. (laughs) Now, wait a minute. I would suggest this new light of the world has more contradictions in it 
and unreliability than in the Word of God ever had. And worse, a darkness in a false light. I'd call this not the information age, I would call it the disinformation age, the false information age. And that creates a darkness that you and I have probably have never seen. We usually talk meanly about uh, the Middle Ages as the Dark Ages, but our age is far more dark than the Middle Ages ever were. And it's because we believe in things that have no foundation for belief. I could go on about that for a lot, but I want to move on to the Word of God. There is some false beliefs that linger out there. One of them is, in the information age, is the confusion between facts and truth. And I remember back in college, teaching my college students this, and as I go on and as years pass by, I find so many people do not understand the difference between the two because our language is getting dumbed down. I don't know if you realize that. I have uh, visited with Arnie and Beth in their home, with Becky, and I raised a question about the meaning of a word. Never do that in their home. <laughs> because they'll pull out the world's largest dictionary and there will be a lengthy discussion about the etymology of a word, right? And you'll begin to understand that. But you'll understand that with them that your dictionary is shrinking. Your language is shrinking. And uh, the way we translate the Bible is shrinking because we have less English words than we ever had before. We're neglecting our understanding and our perception of the world around us. And with that dumbing down, that simplifying of the English and of our language comes a lot of misinformation. And part of that is you don't have, as you used to have, a language for meaning like you used to, or for a language for truth. But you have a language for facts and information, which is the age we're in. And they are not the same thing. Did you know that facts and truth are not the same thing. You can have something that's factual, but a complete deception. There's an old saying. Some of you are old enough to know this. Figures lie and liars figure. Right? It goes back and forth. Just because something is factual doesn't mean it's a truth. Well, what do you mean, Pastor John? Well, it's because we lack the language. Here's the language for truth. Truth is a principle, an idea, a meaning. Truth is things like justice, freedom, peace, love, hope. These are truths. They are not facts. You can't acquire them by information. You can't acquire them by some sort of uh, rational understanding. You either believe in these things or you don't believe in these things. You must choose to believe them or not to believe in them. And not all these truths are equal. Did you know that? You might have to choose between freedom and peace. And if you had to choose one or the other, which one would you choose? And the choice you make determines your culture. But there are some people that feel like 
I'm not going to believe in anything unless it can be factually and scholarly reviewed. Just try that on someone you're falling in love with. I love you! Yeah, well, give me the facts. Prove that you love me. I want some scholarly review of your love for me. How do I know you love me? Well, it's Christmas. I'm giving you a ring. Well, that could be a false ring. How do I know this is a real thing? You either believe it or you don't, right? Truth and facts are not the same thing, and not all truths are equal. And yet the Bible tells us the ancient wisdom that the great Greek scholars and philosophers always knew, and I'm almost embarrassed to tell you this, but truths have to be believed and higher than facts, and they're acquired by a step of faith. And that hierarchy of truth is so important to seek because truth gives you understanding and perception of things that you would miss otherwise. And it's absolutely critical that we strive for the truth. There are truths, and they are lights. There are dim lights, but there are lights that have led previous generations. But we're far better than the darkness we know now. There goes my glasses. If we believe the deception of the information age, we would come to believe that humans are basically animals. And that we can think, but that's about the only advantage we have over any other animal. That death is better than pain. That pleasure is the ultimate goal of life at any cost. And this is a darkness that many walk in. And they believe in it as any religious zealot would. Their lives are full of diminishing expectations. Thank you, brother. Disappointments and deep inner emptiness when you believe these things. Yet there is a hope, for there is, in this dark age of misinformation, a light that dawns. And we may be walking in darkness, but a light has come, the bright light of the ages. And by it we can know the truth, and by it we can be set free from the darkness. The prophet Isaiah predicted this light coming long, long ago. It says, the people who walked in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine upon them. I believe that here today that many of you are praying for people you love. Am I right? And some of them are in very dark places. Is that true? And you wonder if they'll ever see the light, if they'll ever come to an understanding. You might even be praying for a nation you love, and you wonder what's going on, and it seems so dark, and I wonder if the light will ever come back to this nation, if our leaders will have that. You can tell from your advantage point of belief and faith that they're in uh, your friends and your family that you're praying for are in a very dark and dangerous place. And if they keep following the false beliefs that they have, the misconceptions they hold, 
that they could be in a very dangerous situation. And what we pray is that they will see the light. But not just any light. There is the light of reason, where we hope they'll come to their senses. You ever pray for someone like that? Lord, bring them to their senses. Which is the prodigal event in Hosea with Gomer. He came to his right mind. He came to his senses with saying, what am I doing? I'd be better off going back to dad. and I, I better turn around before the... I'm eating with pigs. This is ridiculous. Wish they would come to their senses. That's good light. And we pray for that. But it's not the great light. It is a light, but not the great light. We also pray that they will have hope. Because when people are walking in darkness, they lose hope. They make rash decisions. And terrible things happen as a result of that. So many enter the dark place of despair and they just can't seem many options of what to do when their hope is gone. Hope can help carry you on. Is that true? It is. And it can get you some, through some very same moments. But this is not the great light. It is a light. And there are times when we pray that ones we love will know that they are not alone. That their family loves them. And they're always welcome back. And there's a reason to carry on. A purpose to live. Because you have your family. A love of family will give us purpose. It will give us direction. But it is not the great light. It is only a light. And these things are important, but it is in everything. Isaiah predicted a great light will come. And Matthew tells us it didn't just come, it came. I'm going to start at verse 12 and go to 17 of Matthew chapter 4. It goes this way. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, John the Baptist, he withdrew to Galilee, leaving Nazareth. And he went to live in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zubalum and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah, the land of Zubalum and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. And those living in the lands of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And from that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven has come near. Isaiah said it was coming. Jesus said, it has come. What is this land of Zubalun and Naphtali? These are the two sons of the descendant of Jacob, who became Israel, of the twelve tribes of Israel. And these lands were given to these two of the twelve sons of Israel. And in the region of Isaiah, talked about it as a dark land. Because it was a land that had very few Jewish faithful followers left in it. Most of them were pagan and uh, were worshiping false gods. And the land had forgotten its heritage, its gift in 
the uh, promise made by God to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the one established by Moses and Joshua fought for, the land had lost it. And very few people were left in that area. There were a few, a remnant, but not many in that dark land. And Isaiah said, in that land, a great light will dawn. When Jesus showed up and went to that region of Galilee, it's not much brighter. There was a Jewish presence there, but there were a lot of uh, Gentiles there. That's why it was called Galilee of the Gentiles, surrounded by Gentile peoples. Galilee was special because it was very fertile. It had a large population, but a lot of them were not Jews, were not believers in God. Alexander the Great had come through, just like we do in our information age, with a lot of new ideas and philosophies. And they, Greeks loved new ideas and philosophies, and they would discuss them all the time. And that's what exactly Galilee was all about. It was a hotbed of discussion about what is the latest ideas. You could go down to the market in Galilee, and you find someone that suggested that aliens populated the earth. And that gods were really astronauts from outer space. That's the type of place Galilee was and forming new religions and new ideas. It's not unlike the world we live in now, is it? You could have called this a post-Judaic era in Galilee when Jesus pulled up. There are people who say we're living in a post-Christian era. Your day is over. I'm sorry church. That's what they're telling us. That most people say, well, I I haven't met a Christian in years. I think I had a great-grandmother who went to church once, and that's what we call a post-Christian era. When the governments say, no, we are no longer Christian, and now we're secular and we're enlightened. This is the kind of place that Jesus Christ began his ministry. And he picks up the message of John the Baptist in the tradition of the Old Testament about looking towards the coming of the kingdom of God. And Jesus picks up that message and says, Repent, for the kingdom has in coming. It's come. I'm here. And forever who would receive him, they would become children of God and born again. John. John was a bright light. Jesus called him one of the greatest of the Old Testament prophets. And he preached repentance from sin. But he was not the great light. The great light is Jesus Christ. He shows up and he deals with us directly. The people who live and walk and think in the darkness of the misinformation age, the postmodern, post-Christian world, They don't just need a light, they need a great light. For the darkness they have is the great darkness. Paul picked up this message. After he encountered the great light in the person of the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ, the great light of Jesus Christ opened his dark eyes and he preached this gospel to the world so that they too could understand it and receive it as well. We find this uh, in Colossians 2, 8 through 10. See to it that no one takes 
you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ all fullness of the deity, everything God is, lives in a bodily form in Jesus Christ. And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. Paul goes on to say in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 through 5, For though we live in this world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish what? Arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Paul believed, the Bible teaches, that wrong thinking is a deep darkness. And it holds many captive. Counseling, encouragement, all of these can help. But the great light that demolishes the darkness itself is to repent and receive Jesus Christ into your life as Savior and Lord. This is why Jesus was sent by God and the reason he came as a baby in a manger over 2,000 years ago. Paul himself was a hard case. Did you know that? He was a tough one. He was known as Saul at the time. And he describes his conversion, which I think is an apt description of anyone in the dark age of the misinformation age could know as well. Acts 26 through 18 says this. I'm going to start at 12 and work my way down. He's talking to a king. His name was King Agrippa. And he tells his story. Here's the testimony of Paul. On one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and the commission of chief priests. And about noon, King Agrippa, is noon a bright time of the day in the Middle East? It's a very bright time of the day. About noon, King Agrippa, I was on the road and I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun. And the sun is pretty bright at that time of day, is it not? It was a great light. And blazing, he describes it, around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goats. And then I asked, Who are you, Lord? That is a great expression of those lost in misinformation. That you would be an encounter of the great light. You're surrounded by the light. Who do you think this is? It's not your grandma. It's not, it's not a semi running you down. 
He's a Jewish scholar. He's a Greek scholar. He knows all the Greek philosophies. He knows everything about Moses, Abraham, and the Pentateuch. And here he encounters the great light. He's surrounded by the light. He falls to the ground and he said, who are you? That is the darkness. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant, as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people, from the Gentiles, and I am sending you to them to do what? Verse 18, to open their eyes, turn them from darkness to light. And from the power of Satan to God. So that they may receive the forgiveness of sin. And place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Isaiah says we have seen there is a great light coming. Matthew says the great light has come. Paul says... We can see the light now. You can see the great light. You can encounter Jesus Christ as millions have over 2,000 years of the kingdom of God has been spreading over the face of the earth. The Bible promises that if you seek, you ask, and you knock, what was going to happen? You're going to find, you're going to receive. If you will search the word of God like you do Google, you will find it. And if you will do this, then you will have this great light living in your spirit. And you will walk in that light the rest of your life. The light of God's truth. But many, to my great sorrow, are not seeking this light. Right? But I encourage the few that are, to, that are seeking to keep on seeking because you will find it. But there is another great truth about this great light. You want to know what it is? No? Okay, we'll wrap it up. <laughs> you want to know? Yeah. All right. Not only can this great light be found if you seek it, it is seeking you. This revelation of Jesus Christ, an encounter on a Damascus road like Paul had, this light of understanding is not sitting in a book someplace in a library or waiting to be shared by some spiritual guru when you pay him $29.95. This great light is a living, breathing person. And he has a will, he has a passion, he has a purpose to seek us out. Truth, ultimate truth, is not a principle or an idea. These are lesser lights. Truth that we seek is a person, the person of Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, Emmanuel, and he is seeking us who live in a dark world. John chapter... Uh, 
Gospel of John. Oh, I can't see that back screen and see what screens I got up. Let me put on these glasses that were so nicely retrieved from the floor for me. John chapter 8, uh, verse 12. It says, And Jesus spoke again and said to them, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We've been told by Isaiah the great light would come. We were told by Matthew the great light has come. And the person of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Yet this is not a history lesson this morning. We may be in a postmodern, post-Christian era, and the dawn of the misinformation age may be upon us, and I really do believe it is. And we are not bringing enlightenment. What we're bringing is indoctrination and enslavement to new religions of evolution and globalism and secularism. And this may be our time in history, but there is a still a great light. And that great light does not fade because of the changing opinions and ideas of people. The light of Jesus Christ is just as real today as it was in the captivity of Babylon when Isaiah knew. The light of Jesus Christ is just as real today during the captivity of the Romans or the captivity of the Nazis or the captivity of the communists. That great light never faded. We may be entering a new captivity of the misinformation age, but the light of Jesus Christ still shines. It seeks and sets free all who will repent and receive him into his heart. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. He could be yours. So if you would just put down your smartphones for a moment and pick up a prayer with Jesus. He'll answer you. He'll live in your spirit forever and forever. Amen. Would you stand with me? I want to close with a prayer. Lord, we have all been touched by the darkness of this age. And somehow in this moment, it seems a little foolish to us. But we know on Monday it will come back again. But we know, Lord, your great light still shines. It is here today. It makes things really clear. If we ever, Lord, we find ourselves in the week ahead in a confused place, not understanding why things are happening the way they're happening, Lord, I pray that we would realize that we have forgotten to use the great light that gives us a light to our path, an understanding of what to do, of where to go, and what to say. For, Lord, you do not fade with this world, but you burn still bright today. I pray if there's anyone here today that's in that dark place, I pray, O oh God, that today they would receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. Maybe at the close of this service, maybe later on talking with a friend, but they would know this great light. We pray for those that many prayers have been offered up for, 
that their veils would be pulled back over their souls, these family members and loved ones that we agonize over, that at this season of celebration of Jesus Christ, that the light would dawn on them, that you would show up, Jesus Christ. You would reveal yourself to them. And they would fall and say, Who are you, Lord? And you would say, I am Jesus Christ. Lord, for you are not just coming. You haven't came long ago. You are still seeking the lost to show yourself. And Lord, we desire that for our lives and for those we love. We pray this in your holy name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you uh, very richly. We did this once before, and I'll do it again. If any of you are in need of prayer for health or sickness or whatever it might be, or for to know the Lord in this great light, I'm going to hang out at front. I'll stay as long as you need me. And, uh, but in the meantime, I wish you a Merry Christmas and a blessed year, and please be safe to wherever you travel. Amen? Amen. God bless you all. It is our desire to direct people to the Lord Jesus Christ, the source of all life, hope, and true transformation. We are a non-denominational evangelical congregation, so all are welcome. Coffee and snacks are served, children's church and child care are available.